there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome to the Varsity Club podcast. Another week. A <laughs> interesting week. Um, joining this week is Brandon Vogel. I think this is the second time in the month of January, which is probably a record for you. Brandon, how you doing, man? I'm good. Technically, it's February now, but that's that's okay. We, we oh, it's February first. We were wow. close. Maybe, maybe. I mean, if we could get two in in February, being the shortest month, you know, we'll officially have a trend then. We'll just get three in in February. You'll just be the the new host of the podcast. <laughs> How about that? Just take a thing off my um, plate and let you handle all of it. Yeah, it's, if 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 there are weeks that are less strange than this past one, I'm, I'm in. So. Okay. We'll get we'll get this one out of the way first, and everything else should be uh, should be relatively easier. So let's talk about this week because uh, we could talk about like the squatting workout video that the Husker football uh, Twitter account just tweeted because Zach Duvall's beard in that video is at like epic levels. Um, so we could talk about that, but we should probably talk about what happened with Nebraska's athletic director. Um, so like for Baxter and anybody who has been under a rock. Like late Monday night, early Tuesday morning, a bunch of Reddit and Twitter and social media stuff uh, started. Like, I I don't want to call it like reports. There's just a lot of noise that stuff was going wrong with Bill Moose and that there was tension between him and his bosses, Ronnie Green and Hank Bounds, um, university chancellor and president, and that potentially like he was going to be maybe losing some of his duties as the, as the athletic director or potentially on thin ice. I like I was on the treadmill when all this stuff started happening Monday <laughs> night. Uh, and Greg slacked me and was like, hey, we're having a conversation you should probably jump into. And I look in our channel and I'm seeing all this stuff and I'm like, what did I miss? I was on the treadmill for like 20 minutes. Uh, I guess your initial reaction, whether – It'd be Monday night or Tuesday morning when you started hearing it. Well, it would have been Monday night when you started really seeing all this stuff. Kind of what thoughts were going through your head? Well, yeah, it was it was strange. So first started to hear like just tiny portions of that at some point Monday afternoon. And you're like, OK, you know, these it's it's the off season. These things sort of pop up. But you, you, you got to try and at least follow it and and call the people you can call and, and talk to the people who might be able to add something to that and, and just, you know, is there, is there anything to this? And then by, by Monday night, you know, it seemed like the noise was getting louder. And at that point still hadn't really, I don't think anybody had landed on anything concrete. And I, I certainly hadn't, but you, you kind of got to prepare for, for both potential outcomes. So we started talking about like, okay, well, what if that does happen? Where, who, you know, what do we do? And it was, the strangest thing about it was like I had not heard anything along those lines prior to that point. So not only was it trying to assess the the veracity of it, but it was trying to get caught up on, I guess, things that had been bubbling way under the surface. 
at least as far as rumor mill goes, uh, for a little while. So it was it was a strange night. Yeah, so there are a lot of rumors that say this tension, um, poor job performance that affected by – like there are, there are allegations, there are a bunch of accusations. There's stuff that goes back months, uh, but I feel like this stuff all just like <laughs> – kind of like the floodgates opened a little bit one day and like oh here is all of this stuff um w- one of the things that i found the most interesting maybe the most unsettling um it, is it you know there was no concrete reporting um there there was no you know i think everybody is still trying to do that side of it they're still trying to figure out um so that they can accurately report on things so news outlets haven't been haven't been publishing allegations against bill moose so to speak but tuesday morning ronnie green and hank bounds released a joint statement basically responding to twitter noise which was just very strange to me um did you i mean it like two completely different situations but like it kind of reminded me of just the power that twitter has and, and you know i thought back to that tennessee fiasco with greg shiano like we're in like an age where Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, if you want to lump it in there, can can be super powerful. And I was just at that because at that point, to me, it was just like social media rumblings. But there was no like the World Herald wasn't accusing Bill Moose of anything. The Journal Star wasn't accusing Bill Moose of anything. We obviously weren't accusing Bill Moose of anything. Um, and yet we have this press release from from the president and the chancellor of the university addressing things that like not even national media was talking about like was that weird to you absolutely i mean obviously they were getting some <clears throat> some requests for comment like if if they don't then that never comes out but I, I i still think it was probably probably would have been better to to not issue a, a statement yeah you're gonna let sort of the rumor mill run wild a little bit there if you do that but i think it's it's gonna tire itself out, you know, in a relatively short span of time, even if you do that. So you might have to take your lumps for another day or two. Uh, people wondering what's going on with the the AD. But if there's truly nothing going on, you know, I think what the statement did was r- wrangle in a bunch of people who had no idea that this stuff was even out there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was, a, you saw that a lot on Twitter. You know, like, okay, why is this sort of context-free statement of support here now on a Tuesday morning. So then he had a bunch of people scurrying off to figure out like what had gone on to get to that point. And it, it probably called more attention to something that, you know, as far as we know, as you said, you know, there's no sort of proof of anything out there yet uh, is, is just total, total speculation. Uh, so, so it was interesting, but you know, they, they did what they did and, you can debate the validity of that decision in, in hindsight until you're blue in the face, but it it seems like it's it's slowing down now. And, and if anything, you know, from listening to Moose's appearance on the radio show Wednesday night, you know, it seems like it's it's probably unified some support behind Moose. And I don't I don't think there were a ton of people who who are unhappy with what he's done to this point coming in. Yeah, I have noticed, I and mean, because. You know, I've noticed on social media, but then also his radio show when he went on Sports Nightly, uh, whatever, whatever, that was Wednesday night, I think. Um, he, uh, th- there were callers that were calling in that were asking questions like normal, but like there were four or five people that prefaced their uh, their call and their question with, "Hey, we love you. 
Uh, don't listen to like dumb people on social media and keep doing uh, good things for like it. It kind of galvanized the fan base to rally behind him. Um, and and you know he obviously said that there was nothing wrong and and told Greg Sharp that he is. Uh, at Nebraska, he's not going anywhere. He's not going to change kind of how he is. A lot of the stuff that has been said about him is, is that there are alcohol issues uh, or, you know, incidents in public. Well, if that's the case, like, more than one person will have seen that. So, like, you know, we were talking about this before we started podcasting, like, and you had mentioned with the rumors, there's either there's some truth to them um, or there's very, very little truth to them. And if there's no truth to any of this, it becomes, okay, well, who started this and what was the agenda behind starting it? And, you know, Moose got asked that question. He said, well, if it's somebody on my staff, uh, they're not going to be on my staff very long. He talked about unity within the fan base of, well, 100 people are together and pulling in the same direction, but there's always one or two people who aren't. I wonder, you know, if there are people that are unhappy with Moose's job performance to this point or people within the administration that are unhappy that, I don't know, maybe there was a booster that wanted him to, to out Tim Miles and he won't do it. Um, and, and they got upset. So I guess the question becomes then, it I mean, it, it shifts to his actual job performance. So he's only been on the job for 15 months. Like, how would you assess? I don't I don't think there's enough there to even give him like a grade like how would you assess these first 15 months of moose at nebraska he was brought here to do one thing so far and he has done that one thing yeah it's definitely incomplete at this point yeah so (laughs) he helped land frost like into to what degree he was the key ingredient in that i don't know you know we know that Frost would not be here if Sean Eichhorst were still in place. Like I can say that with 100% confidence. Um, but was it just him being gone or was it Moose, something Moose brought to the table that, that added a little bit to that? Uh, I think it probably did. And, you know, as for something or other, I can't remember what I was looking back at sort of the day Frost was hired for, for something I was researching. And, you know, he mentioned in there that, it was like a week before he took the job that he officially decided. So, you know, it wasn't a slam dunk that, that he was going to come back. And I think you do have to kind of put that in, in Moose's column, you know, Matt Davison, who's longtime friends of Scott Frost was, was instrumental in helping getting that there too. And, and that's kind of the biggest thing Uh, beyond that. You've got the, the decision to give miles a, a one year extension last year, which is probably the most interesting Moose sort of action that we've had to this point. And then he made changes with, with men's golf and men's tennis. And those teams are just getting started back up. You know, it's, it, we'll see if that turns out to be the right move or not. So there's just not a lot to go on to say even, yeah, he's doing a great job or he's doing a poor job, uh, which, which made all of this coming up now, all the stranger. Although we do know that, you know, Basketball is kind of on the horizon. You know, whether Nebraska, whether it becomes obvious to retain Tim Miles at the end of the year, because whether it becomes obvious not to, something has to happen because he only has three years on his contract. Yeah, and the, the I mean, the industry standard for that is four or five. We'll talk about Miles um, in a little bit, but it, one of the things that I thought with Moose that was real important about him, and, and he mentioned, 
he was brought here to be Bill Moose. He's an outgoing guy. He likes to be out in the in the public um, with people, and he, you know, that's what attracted Ronnie Green and Hank Bounds to him. I think maybe part of his uh, appeal and part of what he was going to be asked to do at Nebraska was try to rebuild some of the image a little bit, both um, in kind of a regional area, but also on a national level. Uh, you know, when Frost was brought in, I think it was that initial press conference he had, he talked about, you know, leadership needed to be right for him to come back. I think Moose has a, a great deal to do with that. He's he's not like a Nebraska born and bred like Frost is, uh, but he understands kind of the the mentality of the state and he understands kind of the fabric of the people. And um, I think, you know, I, I think that was a real important part of him coming back. And those things... I think that aspect of the job is going to be hard to quantify. Uh, But I think he's done well, so to speak, um, from that standpoint. I also think part of it was getting everybody back together and pulling in the same direction. And it seems like most people are back pulling in the same direction. There was no, you know, when when Sean Eichhorst was, was brought in, was there universal love for that move or was there people against it? I don't remember. Yeah, uh, I think there was people. People were open to it. You know, he was not a a name that I think most Nebraska fans just recognized immediately. So he kind of had the Barry Alvarez stamp of approval, which which still carries some weight in Nebraska. You know, he had, he played college football. I think. Wisconsin Whitewater, you know, Division Three powerhouse, and had been a bunch of places like South Carolina and Miami. I mean, he was sort of your kind of classic AD candidate in this current era, in that you know he former athlete, but but really moved into athletics administration pretty early. So I, I think people were were open to it. Um, you get into it a couple of weeks, and you know. You just saw right away that Moose's sort of personality and um, mindset was was much more similar to what I would call typically Nebraskan than than Sean Eichhorst was. Um, And it's it's strange, you know, now like it's kind of like, where do you go? Because Eichhorst was at a lot of things. One of the main complaints about him was that he was maybe too visible and present and too involved for his coaches. And so now we have Moose who likes to keep a distance. And whenever, you know, when it was, when Mike Riley was still the football coach, he's like, we're going to let him finish the season and I'm going to observe. And you're not going to hear a lot from me on that. You know, he basically said the same thing about Tim miles here in the past week or so. So it's, I don't know. It's just a high profile position. Um, you're in charge of the thing that a lot of people in this state care the most about Nebraska athletics. And it's, it's tough to be in a spot where everything's just great all the time. Um, it's, it's a hard job and and they get paid well to do it. But I think you you just kind of look at the past two and you're like, yeah, there's always kind of something out there that could, that could be better. Sure. Uh, all things considered looking at bill, he's, he's, Good to the media. He's accessible. He uh, hangs out with people. I guess that would be the best way to phrase it. Like he was talking on Sports Nightly about having a beer with fans uh, or a piece of pie or a cup of coffee. Like he's, uh, by all appearances, he is available to people. And he has a radio show where he lets people call in every week and he answers their questions. Um, he brought Scott Frost back. 
I, I personally, I like that he does not fire coaches in season. I like that he's letting that he let Mike Riley finish the season out, and I liked that he is letting Tim Miles finish his season out. Um, I think that's just, you know, if you've got an expectation for a team and they lose their coach, like I just don't think that that's the right way to to hit your expectations. Um, but when you look at Moose, everything, the whole package, you, we've seen him for 15 months now. Um, you've been able to watch what he's done. Is he good for Nebraska athletics? I, I think I would say yes at this point, you know, and and like I said, there's there's so much that's that's still to come. I mean, everyone's very optimistic about the direction of the football program, and, and I think that's all justified. Like I'm in the same I'm in the same spot. Like I think they're going to win um, soon, and I think they're going to win pretty big. Not long after that, I, I really do. Um, now. <laughs> You never know what what sort of tiny little things can come along and, and change that, but that's how that part of it looks. Um, with basketball, we'll, we'll see. You know, last year's decision was was really interesting um, and, and probably pretty smart on on Bill Moose's end to to give the one year extension. Like you know how that looks. He spent his entire life in this industry. And it's, you know, not even really a half vote of confidence. It's just kind of checking the box that, that you have to check. And it, it set up kind of a make or break season for Tim Miles. I mean, I don't think it's to say anything else would be to be consciously avoiding the truth on that. Um, you wonder a little bit, or at least I wonder, like Moose had all the leverage in that situation. You know, he Nebraska just missed the tournament last year. You could have, I guess decided to to make a change uh right then it would have been a very bold move um or you can offer the one-year extension and and miles recourse is to say say no i'm I'm gonna look for another job or to to take it and he knew he had his best team coming back in at least five six seasons uh so it was it was kind of a tough spot for miles i mean that's when you look at it from almost a year removed now it seems like a pretty savvy bit of negotiating on Moose's part. And now, you know, he, he has a probably even bigger decision on, on the future of the basketball program. I think, I think he made it easier on himself this season with a one-year extension. And, and by him, I mean Moose, uh, in the sense that get not, not committing to Tim long-term. Basically, he, I mean, he told him, you have to make the NCAA tournament. You have to build off of this past season. And if you don't, there are consequences for not hitting that. And he said on Sports Nightly uh, the other night, he, you know, he talked about the coach. He loves the coaches, but they know their expectations. And I think he said the, those ex, those goals are realistic. And that was like directly talking about Tim Miles. Like I think it was you make the NCAA tournament or you're not coming back. And even then, if they're just skating into the NCAA tournament as – what a 12 seed, a 13 seed, like you got to win a game at that point. And I think, you know, I don't, I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't think Isaac Copeland getting hurt and missing the rest of the season. I don't think that changes the expectations for Tim miles at all. I think Moose is still going to say, you got to, I mean, you, you got to make the NCAA tournament. And when you look at the way that they have played Nebraska basketball over the last four games, um, it, it, I mean, none of it looks good on Tim. Um, there's, I mean, they're, they're not ready. 
They're missing layups. Uh, they're not running offensive sets. They have no bench because it wasn't cultivated. They have no depth because they either didn't have it to begin with or the depth that they had left. Uh, and, you know, one of the strangest things after the Wisconsin game, like they went 9 for 24 on layups in that game. Awful. It's the worst mark they've had this season. Just awful. And Tim got directly asked about it, and he said, it doesn't shock me, and it doesn't worry me. And I'm like, it should. It should worry you. <laughs> you should not be – and, you know, he was like, I think I had us at 9 for 27, which is not good. No, that's not good. That's awful. There was right. – there was just a little bit of, like – I don't I don't know with this team. It just seems like they're not they're not in the right state of mind right now. And you know, I I'm getting to the point where how much of that comes back to well what are they doing in practice? What are they hearing from Miles? What what's happening in the locker room before games? What's happening in the locker room at halftime? Like why is this team that is so talented now for four or five games just have no confidence in its ability to do anything on a basketball court? And you know, I think the decision for Moose is becoming easier and easier and easier. And, you know, I think him, you know, I think he put Tim in a tough spot with the with the, the one-year extension and the expectations that he put on him. But I also think he, he made this easier on himself in the long run, I guess. Do you, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, he, like I said, <laughs> if, he had, he, if he had all the leverage a year ago, which I think he did, obviously, um, <laughs> the way he handled that maintained that leverage to this point, you know, you mentioned Copeland. I think, I think there is one scenario where that could, could play to miles benefit. And so I think, you know, a month ago or back in January, when we talked about Nebraska basketball, I think, I think I even said, and I think you're kind of in the same spot back when Nebraska was full strength and, you know, had yet to go on this. It's, current losing streak it, it just kind of i think we were talking about the two game losing streak pre-indiana at that point mm-hmm. um yeah i was i was in the camp of if they kind of like limp into the tournament i don't even know if that's enough to be like yeah you extend 10 miles and and that's what that's the way you're gonna go now with the additional losses and the big loss of copeland like i think just making it knowing how how hampered this team is now because of the injury might be viewed a little bit more favorably but I, I still don't know if it's if it's enough I mean for me if with the way Nebraska has played lately and the way that they've they've looked and we know how how vital Copeland was on a lot of fronts like if they still make it that's kind of an achievement more than more than it would have been if, if Copeland had never gone down, I guess. Does that make sense? I mean, if the tournament just started today, we just capped everybody's season. Like Nebraska's probably still in at this point, aren't they? Even mm, having no. lost four straight. No, you don't think so? I don't think so. No, I, it, the way that their schedule is set up. I mean, they still like Tim mentioned this in the press conference after the Wisconsin game. They still have half their big 10 schedule left, uh, which <laughs> sounds so strange when you think about it. Cause yeah. this season is, uh, has gotten to the point where it feels like it's drawing on, but they've got they've got five home games, they've got five road games, they have I think six quad one games still left on the schedule, um, and at this point, like Creighton has fallen off, Clemson has fallen off, Seton Hall is not uh, looking like the win that it was going to look like, 
they lost to Minnesota. They've got really they've got like the Indiana game. Um, yeah. I mean, we're slowly reaching the same point we were at last year. Like, it, but the difference being, this close was going to be their chance to win some key games. They've got Iowa at home, um, and Iowa continues to be either ranked or near near the ranking. They've got Michigan and Michigan State. They've got Minnesota coming. They've got Maryland coming. They've got chances um, to either avenge losses that they had and pick up some quality wins uh, and also pick up some big-time wins that are, you know, bullet points on your resume. Like, I, I, I don't know that they if the – if the season ended today, I don't know that they would get in. Um, they need some of these games down the stretch, and they're – with each loss, they're needing more and more and more. Um, but, like, so you think if they get in, an achievement in itself, you're right. What it, I mean, what, it, what does that look like, though? Like, are they going to get smacked in the tournament if they get in? Because if they get in as a low seed, they're playing a pretty decent team, and this, this Nebraska team doesn't shoot it well. Like, yeah, I could see them getting blown out in the first game if they, if they got in. Does that change the perception of them? Um, I, I don't think so you know losing copeland in my mind made this season suddenly kind of take take a step back so it used to be you know coming in at the start of the year it wasn't just make the tournament because everyone assumed nebraska had the team to do that it was like go win a game try and make a run but now i think getting there without copeland becomes a the the primary achievement and i still don't you know, I don't think any of those things on their own decide what's going to happen with the future of this program. You got to look at sort of where they're where they've been consistently, and they've consistently kind of been right here, uh, a kind of middling team that's at its best at best on the bubble, um, for for lack of a better term. You know, and you start to look at that roster for next year. Um, with some of the pieces that Nebraska loses for sure and, and could lose in terms of in terms of Roby, um, man, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> not to start thinking 2019-20 basketball season just yet, but even if Miles were to come back, like man, that's a there's a lot of work to do on that roster, and I know there's some promising recruits, but so I think that all factors in much more than like does Nebraska make it and did how do they play in however many games they were to get in the tournament? Because you get in, you know, one game, like if you just shoot well, who knows, you, you could be a 12 seed and, and, and knock off a five. So that's, that, that's all small sample size stuff. I guess the big picture for me is that the miles era is, is really feels a lot like the Pelini era to me on, on a couple of fronts. Now they're different personalities, but both pretty, I would say well-liked by the majority of, of Nebraska fans. It just feels like you've kind of hit the, hit the ceiling of what it's going to be. Um, and that's, that's never a fun realization to come to. But I think when you're thinking big picture as an AD, that's how you kind of got to, got to make those decisions and, and they're, they're tough ones to make, so, but who, who really knows what, what Moose is thinking, but I would be surprised if he wasn't at least a little ways down that path. That's a good point. I do wonder um, we had a question in our mailbag a couple weeks ago that was like, is this the best that it's going to get for Nebraska? I think you and I both agreed that, no, they should be able to get more. Um, but I do wonder if Moose 
like how Moose views that question. If he's like, okay, we're just going to dedicate all of our resources to football. We're going to have a really good volleyball team and basketball will be what basketball is. Year and or if he wants them to be a, like a consistent threat in the big 10. Um, I don't know about that. Do you, I have a question for you though. Does it bother you that Moose does not attend basketball games regularly? Um, no, not really. Um, because I never know like where he's at and what else he, he might have going on. Like, you know, this, uh, you're talking about a $150 million business in terms of, of Nebraska athletics. And, and that requires a lot to, to keep running. You know, it's not like the high school AD who, if, if he's not in the gym, you should, you should probably notice, um, this is this is big time revenue and, and big time stuff, and I think he legit. I think I mean, we know he's a legitimate sports fan. So if he's not at an event, I don't assign any meaning to it other than oh, he must have something else going on right now. Um, I don't know. That's just how I look at it. Yeah, it doesn't bother me either. I, I tend to agree with you. What is the most concerning thing um, with this basketball team when you look at them right now? Most concerning to you? Oh. Um, <laughs> the, the inability to finish at the rim certainly is the, the problem du jour, uh, at least of, the, of these late games. You know, it's, it's still, I think, the, the big picture lack of offense, offensive consistency is probably the most galling thing when you watch this team. You're just kind of like, yeah, they've, they've never totally found the cure for that. And I don't, I don't know what it is, um, you know, in terms of the actions that they try to run any of that, you know, more detailed stuff. It's just like, you know, it's, it's been apparent for a long time that this is kind of a key weakness and it's just never really been addressed fully to the point where you could raise the ceiling for the program as a whole. And, and I think seeing that again with this collection of talent is, is a large part of the reason you see, you've seen people after losses, particularly early in the year, really voice their disappointment. Um, and it's because it feels like they've seen it all before. That's that's a bad spot to be in if you are on the hot seat, so to speak. Yeah, I I I think you know somebody was asking me this on Twitter, and they they don't have a bench, and they haven't had a bench, and the best chance to like build a bench would have been early in the season, and that didn't happen because they didn't play. Like Texas Tech, the bench played like ten minutes. Like they just they he. They don't get used. Um, and, you know, Nana Kenton has missed his last 11 threes. Um, I saw Jacob Padilla had that in his padding the stats column that's that's live on the website by the time you guys hear this, so read that. Um, Nana's missing shots. Amir Harris is a non-offensive threat if he's not cutting into the basket. Brady Hyman uh, doesn't look ready. He just needs more time in the lab. And um, outside of that, like, they don't, they don't have anybody else off the bench. And... I, you know, if, if you give, like, let's say you play Hyman more in the non-conference to start the season, and let's say you give Nana Kenton consistently twenty minutes in the in the non-conference to start the season, and you know, Amir Harris had the mono thing, and and that's hard to come back, um, hard to get your conditioning back from. <clears throat> but I just I, I feel like there is so much offensive burden on the shoulders of. What were the four starters? Now the three main scores, and their inefficient scoring options by nature, 
and now they just have to do so much more. Like they just lost Nebraska lost 15 points from Isaac Copeland, and you there's there's not one person that you can look to on the bench and say they can make that up. There's not even two people that you can look to on the bench and say they can make up those 15 points. So what you get you get into this situation where it's like okay, James Palmer feels like he has to do everything now, or Isaiah Roby feels like he has to be uber aggressive, and then he doesn't he's not comfortable in that. You know, Thomas Allen feels like the the most likely option um, to point to and say you got to be better, you got to give us a little bit more. Um, but none of I mean, none of their starters have been efficient over this stretch, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's just so much pressure on them to produce offense. And now that you've taken Copeland out of the equation, like the bench limitations are just dialed up to eleven, and I think. You know, to, I mean, to me, that's the most concerning thing. Um, yeah. And and the the rim finishing and the offensive inconsistency. Like I, I wish they would run sets, and I've talked about this for months. I wish they would run different offensive sets. I wish they would use Roby inside more, but they don't. But they just they they, they can't score, and they put the bench in, and they just they can't score. Yeah, yeah. it's it's interesting to look at it in the. Okay, you've got 15 points you basically got to replace from Copeland. And then start like, okay, how many guys on the bench? Like, could if you took everyone on the bench and added it up, does it even amount to 15 points? Because it felt like every night, you know, after a Nebraska basketball game, you're reading like the Huskers had four bench points tonight. You're like, okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what it looked like. It's yeah. almost, it's, it's interesting because I, you know, you have to default to the coaches. Like, Clearly, they felt that their six through nine guys, how you know, they, they may not even may not even get to nine, um, weren't ready. Like putting them on the floor made Nebraska dramatically worse to the point where they tried to avoid as much as possible. Fine, okay, I, like I can default to to their assessment on that, but like it, it just kind of shows a lack of foresight, you know, to decide in December basically, like we're just going to go with our best five as much as possible because that gives us our best chance to win. And and we hope it holds up. Um, like, yeah, I mean, why not take some lumps earlier? Um, you know, you, you still got to try and win those games, but like, yeah, Brady Hyman would probably look better now if he'd played more then. I mean, it just, I don't know. It's, it, it's a bizarre, you know, it feels like a decision that wasn't made out of strength. You know, and this is with the benefit of a ton of hindsight. Like, I don't think I came into the year expecting Nebraska to be this reluctant to use its bench. But it's the, the starting five was great. Like, maybe not great. It was very strong. It was good. It was good enough to get you to the tournament. But it, it kind of looks like now, like, this this flaw was already always there. And you, you get some transfer decisions and, you know, other things influence that. But it's just kind of like, Man, I, I look at it now and be like, should we have expected a team that was going to be this shallow on the bench to to do what it it, it needed to do? Um, and that's that's all the benefit of hindsight, but just the sort of things you think about with a with a season like this. Yeah, I guess my question to you, I, I rambled a ton, and what is is that on Miles? Like when you when you when you take a step back and you look at all of the depth concerns that they have and the lack of bench production and you look at Michael Jacobson at Iowa State and you look at Ed Morrow and you look at Jody Shimongo leaving and you know I, I think there's part of this Carrington Davis I thought he was going to play a role he looked like a shooter he looked like a guy that could space the floor and he was out with an Achilles injury so 
it, that's out of their control. But it, it these issues right now, could they have been avoided with different decision-making from the head coaching chair? Some of it. I mean, you, you have to kind of account for being in – like the high times of a, of a transfer age, like there's, you know, some guys are just going to go and there's, there's nothing you can do, but Nebraska had such a rash of them that you look at it and, and think, well, at some point, like the bill is going to come due for all of that. And and it didn't look like that year was going to be this year because the starting five looked like it was in good shape, but all those hits to Nebraska's depth and, changing how they would have recruited recruit different guys. Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately, and this is, you know, the great thing and the, the terrible thing about being the head coach is it's all kind of on your tab. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think so. You know, if, if miles was concerned about his, his depth and, and the bench production coming into the year, you know, I mean, he, I think he, I feel like he made some, some references to it about kind of not knowing what their best groups were yet, you know, as we were getting ready to start the season, like he didn't really indicate it. And, and maybe, maybe there was a good reason for that, you know, to, to kind of know that you're going to need a little bit of luck health wise and well, luck within games, just in terms of how they're called to, to be as good as you possibly can be. That, that's not a great feeling on the eve of a, a make or break season. No, it's not. Brandon, what's your what's your gut tell you the way the season finishes? Does Nebraska make it to the tournament? And what happens with Tim? I thought there was a chance that maybe losing Copeland for as bad as it was on a number of fronts could could galvanize them a little bit. Um, it didn't totally look that way against Wisconsin, although I felt like they played pretty hard. And with the rest of the schedule coming up, it's it's going to be pretty tough. I I think Nebraska's probably going to continue to fade. I'd be surprised if, if they made the tournament. And I think in that scenario, they they make a change at the end of the year. What about you? I'm pretty much right there with you. I think I think I said, because somebody asked us um, on, a, on a, this week's mailbag, like what is the record going to be for the last 10 games? They've got five at home. They've got five on the road. I think they go three and seven. Yeah. So... That's unfortunate, and I and I don't like rooting against. I'm not rooting against the kids, and I don't like saying that you know they're going to fail. I I think it sucks that an injury derails a promising season because at the beginning of it, and even in the middle of it, this was still a promising season. I I still thought that they had round of 32, Sweet 16 potential. I thought they could win two games in the tournament, Um, but now I think mentally, I think they're just not in the right space, and I think ultimately the way that they look down the stretch is going to influence. Moose's decision on whether he brings back Miles, and I don't think he's going to come back with a good, a good answer for Tim. So, just for the sake of discussion, if that comes to pass, if Nebraska is in the market for a new men's basketball coach, I'm not interested in, in necessarily names at this point. But what type of coach do you think is interested in that job, and what type of coach do you think the program needs? Are they better off going sort of the young up and comer route? Or do you think there's a established coach out there who would see Nebraska's facilities, see the fan support, and, and be interested? I think everybody likes Kelvin Sampson at Houston. Is he? I mean, does he leave Houston for Nebraska? Like, it's not like the the non-power conferences in basketball are just 
they're not the same as they are in football to where if you're at yeah. one of those lower schools, you just have no chance to, to win anything significant. Like he could, he, he's going to get into the tournament at Houston. He's going to probably win a couple games. Like he can do all the same things at Houston that he could at Nebraska. Couldn't he? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's similar to Greg Marshall, Wichita state, you know, they change conferences obviously, which I think alters that a little bit, but like you're getting paid like a, a, a P five coach, like a, the top half of P five code P five coaches, you've got a good program history. You win a bunch, you get into the tournament and away you go. I mean, so, so it is different. It's there's, there's not the hierarchy where every, almost every P P five football job is viewed as better than a G five football job. You blur those lines with basketball a little bit. I wonder what, I I wonder if like the, the love of football and all the attention on football and everybody knows that Moose is a football first guy. I wonder if Nebraska football, especially with Scott Frost back now um, and the just straight dominance of the volleyball program, I wonder if that influences um, somebody just coming in and looking at it and saying, I'm going to be the third sport that people care about. Um, I, I wonder if that plays a role. I don't know. I They should be able to get, a good coach. If they're in the market for a coach, they should be able to go somewhere and say, you know, come coach at Nebraska. And that should carry weight um, because it's still the university of Nebraska. I know they don't have, you know, I know that, that the basketball program specifically doesn't have the pedigree of the football program, but it's still the university of Nebraska and the resources and the facilities. And PBA is, is probably one of the best arenas, not just in the big 10, but in the country in terms of fan atmosphere. Um, style wise you know if they if it's so i don't i don't i don't care if it's a big name or or an up-and-comer guy style wise tim is very defense focused um we're gonna we're gonna grind you out we're gonna get a bunch of transition opportunities i think they need a coach who is going to run a legitimate offensive system and have a, a plan for how to execute in half court settings because you just that, that you just have to do that in the Big 10. You have to be able to run a, a half court in the Big 10 and Nebraska just can't really do that. And I think that that should be one of the most important qualities of of if there is a new guy coming in of who that new guy is. What do you think? Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, in, in some ways, you know, and this also spurred from a mailbag question. So if you're listening to this, submit questions in the mailbag. They're always good, and they give us a lot of ideas, and they're, it's fun. But, you know, Nebraska's lack of tournament success really feels like an anomaly when you start to, to look at it, like just sort of flipping tails six times in a row kind of stuff. Because, like, yeah, they don't get into the tournament often. But like neither does, you know, Virginia Tech or any other sort of like middle to lower tier P5 team uh, in terms of basketball. But they all have like some wins, you know, Uh, it's just it's strange. So if it were me and I were looking at the Nebraska basketball job, I'd be like, well, if we can just get to if we can build a team that can get to the tournament and then we win there, um, that's going to buy us a lot of a lot of goodwill. And I'd also kind of think. You know, they're 0-7 in their tournament all time to this point. Like, that's got to even out over a long enough span. Um, If you're just an average team, you know, you should probably be about 500, which is, you know, what sort of lower tier teams are 
uh, in power conferences like Washington State. They're all about 500 in the tournament. You know, you're not going to be Duke. You're not going to be even the tier below Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, et cetera. But you can be you can be a reliable tournament team. And when you, you put your best teams together, maybe you can maybe you can make a run. That's like, that's the great thing about college basketball is, you know, all of a sudden you'll you'll wake up one day and South Carolina will be in the final four. And you'll be like, how did how did we get here? Um, well, South Carolina made some good hires and it's, basketball is such a lower barrier because there's fewer players. Like if you're a good recruiter, um, you can give yourself a chance pretty quickly. Yeah, you just need one or two guys and some some strong roster building around them. Uh, unfortunately, Nebraska has one or two guys that they don't have strong roster building. Unfortunately, um, I love that you put Kansas at a tier below Duke. Kansas fans are losing their minds now if they're listening to this. <laughs> uh, no, that's not what I meant. I, I that I would put them in the the same tier. At no, the you top. can't take it back now. <laughs> you said it. Well, I was well, I was I was trying to I'm like so what is like tier two in basketball is Syracuse tier two um I don't know that's a good anyway. question so who's in tier one you've got Duke North Carolina Michigan Kansas, State Kentucky <sighs> Izzo's Michigan State for sure um I mean I know Judd Heathcote had, had yeah Michigan Michigan State might actually be like the top of tier two it's, so would that be not, the, that would be the tier two then I, I think it might be. It's not one of the first four or five names you, you reel off the top of your head and you think about basketball powers, but their their actual success probably uh, puts them closer than most people would give them credit for, and that, that feels like top of tier two to me. Oh, that makes sense. I'd put Louisville in there too, probably, tier two. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. Um, one last basketball question. Um, how quickly – do you think a new coach at Nebraska, if that happens, has to turn things around? Because I look at it and I'm like, if you go up and comer, you're probably looking at like another four years before you can like really. And, and you, when you look at what would potentially be lost off that roster, um, you're, you're, you're not looking at a quick turnaround, I don't think. I think it all depends on. I don't think it depends on wins and loss. I think it all depends on what does the team look like on the floor. Because, like, yeah. and, and you said this earlier, like, everybody, they just see the same things. Um, and, and the fan base gets was getting upset with losses early in the season because they felt like they were seeing the same things. I feel like if, you, if you've got a new coach in here who's running some different stuff, who's actually running an offensive system, who, who maybe is utilizing his players' strengths and weaknesses in the, in the right spots and you go on the road, and you're competitive, if you can rebound well. I think it, it just the team play looks better than it has looked. I think you've already bought yourself some time. I think if you bring – I think anybody you bring in, you're going to say, like, I mean, we need three years. Like, I like Donovan Williams, uh, and I like Ecola Rop, and Gervais Green is probably one of the better – well, he's not probably. He is one of the better um, Juco prospects in the country. So they've got talent coming in. Whether that talent stays, if they make a change, I don't know. But they've got talent coming in. But I just think, you know, I any change you make, like you're looking at three years probably. Yeah. But I feel like the perception has so much to do with that. Like if the team just looks better, if the if the style of basketball is more visually appealing to um, this fan base, if you're not having 
six, seven, eight minute scoring droughts every other game. Like I think that whoever that coach may be, they're going to have uh, some money in the bank to work with. I think. Yeah, I think I think you're I think you're right, and you know that might even incentivize it a little bit more to go with somebody who 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 might be a little bit more willing to push the envelope in terms of style. And I don't know, you know, what that, who that person is right now off the top of my head, but Dwayne Wade, I think you, yeah, <laughs> that would, that would, that would push, be <laughs> pushing the envelope in a, in a different way. Uh, it'd be interesting. Um, but you know, I think you do need to do something a little bit different at, at Nebraska. Um, and we talk about that all the time with football programs and, and Nebraska is fortunate not to be in that, that spot where it's one where it's like, there were so many challenges here for you that you've got to do something a little outside the box. I think basketball might be. Um, so we'll see. It'll be an interesting month. We'll see. Yeah, it will for sure be an interesting month. There are uh, some chances left on the schedule for Nebraska to really turn this around, and there are also some opportunities for things to somehow get even worse. So we'll see. Um, Brandon, thanks for joining the podcast. We will bring you back. You have another two times scheduled in the month of February. So All right. Look forward to it. Cool. Thanks for thanks for coming on and talking. Thanks, guys, for listening. We will be back next week with another podcast. We'll have coverage throughout the weekend. Uh, men's and women's basketball, baseball is starting up. Kyle Cardell is, is covering baseball for us this this season, so he'll have uh, some stuff on that. And then, obviously, football. We'll probably have some football stuff to talk about next week, I think. I th- on, like, the 6th, I think we'll have a couple things to talk about. So keep it with Hale Varsity, uh, and we'll keep you covered. Thanks, guys.